Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. the third episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, a crafty red planeswalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker, an unpredictable turquoise planeswalker. We'll start out by telling you what we've been up to in Magic this week. And we'll tell you what we're drinking. We'll talk a bit about the Born of the Gods spoilers. And in Magically Delicious, we'll give you our flavor picks of the week. Finally, in our Magical Artistry segment, we'll celebrate some of the great art you'll find on the latest Magic cards. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the third episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? All right, let's start things off by talking about what we've been up to in magic this week. Lex, why don't you start off? Oh, goody, I get to go first. Um, What have I been doing in magic this week? You know what? I haven't played any magic this week because magic is lame. What? Just kidding. You are off the show. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. No, I, I did play some magic this week. Um, Actually, well, I guess I should say two weeks. Okay. We always say this week because it's just easier to say, but yeah. the show comes out every two weeks. So, mm-hmm. so, so it's a while. Yeah, we have 14-day weeks here at uh, Planeswalkers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I played some magic. I've done a lot of things. I took some notes here. Let's see. Okay, well, we talked on previous shows um, about the fact that we have the Theros intro decks and I've been playing the red and blue one, or as I like to call it, the purple one. Right. And really liking it, but I felt like that there were a few cards in the deck that were just kind of lame. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could just get rid of those few cards and make the deck a lot better. So I finally decided to do that. And when I went through it, it was only three cards that I took that took out and changed. And maybe I should have written down here what cards I took out and what I replaced them with, but I didn't do that because that would be, that would make way too much sense. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, so I changed three cards mm-hmm. and, um, it works really well. I'm really happy with it. Um, I played it a few times and one time I actually played it against you. You were playing your Tabalt, um, red and black deck and yeah. I actually beat you. With this intro deck. Which is a first, I think, with that intro deck, right? Yeah. And, I mean, we haven't done it enough. Maybe it was a fluke. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I thought that was a promising result. Definitely. Um. So, yeah. Should I go through everything I've 
been doing do. or should we take turns? Maybe we should take turns. Um, you know what? To be honest with you, I only have a few things on my list. What? So I'd rather, yeah, why don't you just go through? I'll chime in. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Oh, I played some Magic Online on that horrible, horrible program called Magic the Gathering Online. Aww. <laughs> um, it's really terrible, but sometimes I just get desperate to, to play some Magic. <laughs> And uh-huh. so I use it. Um, basically, the only thing I do on there is drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only just really when I want to draft because I'd just much rather play Planeswalkers because it's just a much better program. Okay. Um, which Planeswalkers has its problems. It's not. But yeah. Magic Online is just. Game. Yeah. Okay. Magic Online is just so terrible that it makes Planeswalkers <laughs> seem awesome. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to the point. Um, I did a draft, I think it was last weekend, okay. and I, I went two and one in a limited Theros draft, and I went two and one yesterday. Oh, wow. And so, so that is my best draft record or whatever you call it that mm-hmm. I've gotten so far. Um, so I was pretty happy with that. Good um, job. Yeah, thanks. And so if I remember right, the the deck I made last weekend was a green and black deck. And honestly, it wasn't that great of a deck. I think I kind of got lucky and I just played some people that had worse decks even than mine was. Yeah. And then the one I made yesterday was a blue-white deck and it was kind of a little bit of an aggro deck, but not totally an aggro deck okay. and a little bit of a heroic deck so not totally a heroic deck <laughs> okay and a little bit of a life gain deck Whoa. but not totally a life gain deck I, okay. I don't know it i was trying to do the blue white heroic thing right um but i was i didn't feel like i got enough heroic creatures and i didn't feel like i got enough heroic enablers mm-hmm. to for it to really be a true heroic deck Okay. Um, but I did get a couple really cool cards. I got, um, oh God, now I'm not going to remember what these cards are called. Hey, hand me that binder, will oh, you? Oh yeah. I can okay. Look Here's them up. The magical. Well, hand it to me. I'm going, I'm going. Can you, can you talk and hand it over at the same time? I think, <laughs> I think you can. So let's see. These were both gold cards. So I'll flip back here to the gold cards. Um, I got, oh wait, no, that's not the one I got. Oh, the Battlewise Hoplite. How could I not remember Battlewise Hoplite? So I got him, and he's really cool. He's just a 2-2 two, two for, for two mana, blue and a white. Mm-hmm. But every time you um, target him with a with a spell, um, he gets two plus one, plus one counter. Or wait, no, he only gets one. I'm thinking of someone else. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm getting confused here. Yeah, this guy, he gets a plus one, plus one counter, and you get to scry one. Um, when you target him. And then the other guy I had, you know what? I don't think he's in the binder because we don't have him. Oh, I don't remember what this guy was. But he was a blue-white um, flying creature. I don't okay. remember what the name of the card is. But he was really cool because anytime he dealt combat damage to a player, you get another turn. Oh, nice. And he doesn't get an attack in a turn, so you only get attack with him once, but it's like you get two turns in a row. Mm-hmm. Of course, I never got to see that happen because every time I brought him out, my opponent would like find some way to get rid of him before I had a chance to do to do that. Mm-hmm. But I was totally cool with that because um, while my opponent was all worried about that card and scrambling trying to get rid of it, 
like it, it was kind of like a like a smoke screen mm-hmm. for what I was what I was really trying to do is I'd put that guy out and know that my opponent would be fixated on on getting rid of that and meanwhile I'm I'm doing other things. Um so even though it didn't necessarily totally do the aggro thing and it didn't necessarily totally do the heroic thing and it didn't have like a ridiculous amount of life gain. There, there was enough of each of those three things that it actually worked really well. Um, there was more than one game that I ended with over 30 life. Nice. And so it was kind of cool because I had a lot of cheap creatures. Um, my, my curve peaked at, I think it was at two drops. Okay. Two drops and then three drops. And I had like, I think I only had one or two cards that cost more than four mana. Wow. And I only had like three or four cards that cost four mana. So I just had a lot of little creatures. I had some combat tricks um, to activate the heroic. And then I had a couple bigger creatures. Um, but basically, you know, by the, by the time my, uh, the aggro thing kind of started to stall out because I really didn't have enough to, to finish someone off like aggro style by the time that started to stall out. Um, I had gained so much life by then that I just was so far ahead that, you know, even though it took me a few extra turns to maybe finish him off, um, compared to what an aggro deck would normally do. Um, it didn't really matter because I, I'd be like 30, 40 life ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I had like two of the, I believe it's called the battle wise hoplite I, I shouldn't say these names when i don't know for sure but the the one mana uh white creature that's a one one lifelink and mm-hmm. then you can bestow it on something so i was only bestowing that so i had some pretty good size flying lifelink creatures and then um i think it's the alcyid that gives vigilance when you bestow it and i'd put that on so i'd have these decent sized flyers with lifelink and vigilance and yeah it was it was pretty cool and and it was funny because going into the first match, I, I felt like the deck wasn't very good because I tried to do the heroic thing and it didn't really pan out. And, and towards the end of the draft, I was just trying to get as many low cost creatures that would fit in my deck as I could and just hoping that, that something would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up going really well. In fact, my first two matches, I was undefeated. Like it was like wow. win, 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 win. And then the third guy was playing um, a blue and black deck. And he, I, I made, I think I made one or two play errors. And then, but his deck was just better. It was just better than mine. I mean, he, he won fair and square. So, so I didn't, I didn't win the third match, but, but still that's, that's my best wec- record on uh, Magic Online is, awesome. is, uh, two and one. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. That's great. Especially since I'm not like an ultra competitive player, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sure I could do better if I devoted more time to it, but I play this game to have fun. Right. You know, and did you have fun? <laughs> yes, actually well, I did. It's always more fun when you're winning, but <laughs> yeah, but I find I, I enjoy any game where it's a good match. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's a face roll for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's a face roll for my opponent. But if it's an evenly matched game and there's a lot of back and forth and, you know, especially when it's really close and you're not even sure who's going to win till the very end. Um, right. I enjoy those games, even if I even if I don't win, I'd rather play a game like that and lose than play a game where I just destroy my opponent and there's no real contest. Yeah, because that's boring. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. So that was Magic Online. Um, I've been playing Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013 quite a bit. Um, I found I've been really enjoying the Is It deck on there, which is a purple deck, as I like to call it. It's the red and blue, uh, guild mm-hmm. in Ravnica. Um, so, and, and I really like my red and blue, uh, Theros intro deck. So I'm starting to wonder, should I call myself a purple planeswalker Ooh. instead of a turquoise planeswalker? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. Okay. Um, I made a, a turquoise sealed Theros deck. So we had some boosters and I had this idea. I was, I was going to take some boosters and do like basically like a sealed deck with those boosters. And then I made that and I played it, um, against you what did you play do you remember did you play no. the the tabalt deck again? probably yeah probably mm-hmm. yeah so um i didn't win um but we only did it like once or twice and and the deck never really it never really happened like i just mm-hmm. got really bad draws um i either didn't have enough mana or had too much mana and I mean, you guys know when you pay, play magic. I mean, yeah, a lot of times people make excuses and they're like, Oh, I got mana screwed and that's why I lost. But I mean, sometimes you really do, you get a bad draw and it's just like you don't have a hand that can win. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, you know, when you're deciding whether or not to mulligan, you think, well, this hand's okay. And as long as I get it, some decent cards, I'll, I'll be all right. But then you never right. get those decent cards and yep. you just can't do anything. Um, but that deck, um, no, no. Mind you, this was a sealed deck, so I just opened however many boosters it was and made the deck, and I had two Thassas in there. Whoa. I got two Thassas. So we have like four or five Thassas now, mm-hmm. have yet to get Annihilia. Like, yeah, what I is know. up with that? It's so weird. And, um, oh man, I should have written down his name. Um, there's, there's a dude I talked to, uh, on Twitter. He's in, he's in Colorado and he's really cool. We, mm-hmm. we talk back and forth. Actually, I could probably get his name real quick because, We've emailed some, but, um, <laughs> I, I was, I was tweeting about this cause I thought it, I thought it was kind of funny that, um, oh, his name's Jeff. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that, uh, that we've gotten all these Thassas and we hadn't gotten any Nylea. It's just right. kind of odd. Um, and, and I was even wondering, I, I didn't say this on Twitter, but I was wondering, well, maybe Nylea is actually a little more rare than Thassa is be, uh-huh. because I get the feeling from what I've heard from wizards that there's more than just, it, it's more, um, layered. Yeah. It's more layered than just the rarities we know of. Like, like not all commons are created equal not all right. uncommons are created equal. Um, but then I was tweeting about it and he basically had kind of the opposite happen. He's got quite a few Nylea's and hasn't gotten a Thassa yet. Oh. So, so maybe we should get together with him and like, yeah. Do a trade, trade. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also, like, we, we don't have the bow of Nylea and we've got, mm. I think we've got a couple Bidens and we've got a mm-hmm. couple whips of Erebos and I think we've even got some spears of Heliod, but, but no bows of Nylea or Nylea herself. Yeah. And she's your favorite. That's what's so disappointing. Well, that's why. <laughs> that's why the, we haven't get, got yeah, any. <laughs> yeah. The gods of Nyx are, are screwing with me. <laughs> Um, because they know that I don't really believe in the gods. And so they're, they're not happy with me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that was my, my turquoise deck. Um, and then I bought a couple decks for duels of the planeswalkers. Um, I unlocked a couple decks. I got the five color deck 
it's called something mana mana something i can't remember what it's called okay. but it's a it's a five color deck and mm-hmm. that is a lot of fun it's got some crazy mana ramp mm-hmm. and mana fixing mm-hmm. um so it it to me it feels like playing a green deck because you know i'm used to playing green decks with a lot of ramp um but it ramps up into these big creatures that you need all five colors to summon and then they just do ridiculous things like like the coolest one i forget what he's called but he's this big ass hydra and it takes two of each color to summon him so it takes 10 mana wow and he's like 10 10 um i don't think it says that he's indestructible but he basically is cuz he's has protection from everything Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are ways to get rid of him, but but you can't just, like, cast direct damage spells at him, which right. is pretty cool. Um, so he's he's pretty badass. And then any time that he would go in the graveyard, instead mm-hmm. he gets shuffled back into your library. Oh, wow. Um, so he's cool. He's kind of the flagship of, of that deck. And then I also got a Simic deck, which is a Ravnica, or I guess I should say Return to Ravnica um, blue-green you know, turquoise deck. And I haven't played with that one as much, but what I've done with it, I'm, I'm not terribly impressed with it. Um, Mm -hmm. it uses a lot of token creatures. Oh, you're not big on tokens. No, I, I find them a pain in the ass and, and I, I just don't like having like, like 30 different permanents (laughs) to keep track or more. Like actually with, I played this deck and I've had way over, I've had just 30 token creatures, not counting everything else. (laughs) Um, it's, it's not so bad on, you know, duels of the planeswalkers because Mm -hmm. the computer like deals with all the tokens and it stacks them and keeps track of them for you. So on that, I don't mind it, but I wouldn't want to play this deck in real magic because yeah, like, Hey, we don't even have that many of the, like they'd have to be the wrong tokens you know, we, right. we wouldn't have enough of the correct token. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of tokens. Yeah. I, I have a request for wizards here. What's that? Okay. And we were talking about this the other day. You know how you open a booster pack and you either get a token or you get a tip card? Yep. Um, please wizards get rid of the fucking tip cards and just give us a token <laughs> right. in every booster pack. Or if, you really want to give us tip cards and give us a token and a tip card and have 16 cards in that pack. Because, I mean, <laughs> I, the tip cards are an okay idea, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sad, pathetic, like, feeble effort as opposed to actually giving you some kind of document with the rules yeah. with the game. Um, but... We need tokens. I mean, you, yeah, you use do. so many tokens in this game and there are so many different tokens mm-hmm. that even if you got a token in every booster that you bought, you still wouldn't have enough. So yeah. it's kind of, to me, it's like an insult every time I open a booster and there's no token in it. It's like I get this stupid tip card. It's like, Aww. you know what? If I want to know what bestow does, I can Google it. I know. You know, we right. have the internet. I'm mm-hmm. not playing like on some island where I have no internet <laughs> access and I have to rely on these tip cards to know how to, <laughs> how to use the mechanics. You'd need a lot of boosters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, well, what happens if, uh, if I don't open the tip card for bestow? Now I just don't know how bestow works. Right. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and also those tip cards are really just advertisements. 
because the back is just an ad. Yep. I was going to say that. It's like, I'm already buying your product. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know what? While I'm on this tangent, speaking of the ads. <laughs> yeah. I just have to say, um, one of the Theros boosters, or actually, I've seen this more than once. One of the tip cards in them, it has this, this ad to go on to the website for the magic apparel mm-hmm. and you can get a t-shirt. And the ad has this really cool green t-shirt with uh, Elspeth, you know, killing the Hydra on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Theros like, um, image, you right. know, that's on all the Theros products. Yeah. And that t-shirt either doesn't exist or doesn't exist anymore because it's nowhere to be found on that site. Uh-huh. The only Theros shirt that they had was just like the little planeswalker symbol with the five mana symbols right. and said Theros. And I mean, I got it because. I really wanted a Theros shirt because I love Theros, but it's a pretty lame t-shirt, really. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, talk about false advertising. Right. Like, I wanted the shirt that was actually pictured on the card. Yeah, it's such a letdown. Yeah. But anyway, you know, wizards, do your advertising somewhere else and give us tokens. <laughs> we did pay for the boosters, not for an ad. Yeah, that's so, true. Although, are, aren't the tokens, don't they have ads on the back of them a lot of times, too? I thought it was just the... The typical back, the card, uh, the back of every card. But hmm. I don't have tokens in front of me. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I think it's an ad. I'm not sure. Okay. Or maybe they, they differ. I, I don't know. I would think it wouldn't be the like the back of the card because you don't want that like in your deck. Right. So I don't know. It's probably an ad. Or maybe it's the back of a magic card. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Hey, another tangent for you. Okay. (laughs) I was listening to, uh, I think it was one of Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work podcasts, and he was talking about like the early, early days of magic. Okay. And like all these memories were coming back because I played alpha and beta and all that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I had totally forgotten about this, but he was talking about how the original, um, starter decks that you bought, the box, because they actually, the cards came in like a box, like a, box of cards okay and the box was drawn so that it looked like a spell book oh neat so the back of the magic card was actually the cover of the spell book and then the sides of the box were drawn in such a way so that the one side looked like the spine of the book and Mm -hmm. the other sides looked like the pages that sounds cool yeah it was really cool it was really cool so I had I had completely forgotten about that and then when he said that it like all came back and I was like oh my god I remember that and I wish I still had my alpha cards and had, cause I would still have those boxes and I could show you, but yeah. I, I think I sold those on eBay a long time ago and probably got totally ripped off for them. Oh, but oh well. It's a bummer. So yeah. Oh, I, I actually have another tangent. This one's actually in my notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just had to talk about a little pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. and I, I might hear it about this, but I just like, it just bothers me. Um, it really bothers me when people use the Ravnica guilds to describe Theros decks. Oh, why is that? Because they're Ravnica guilds. Mm-hmm. They they have, you know, the, Ravnica is like its own world, and Theros is a completely separate world, and mm-hmm. you're using a term from one to describe the other. And I mean, yeah. I I get why people do it because it's an easy way to for those that have all the guilds memorized. It's an easy way to say, "Oh, I'm playing this color of deck." Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it just bothers me. You know, it'd be it'd be like I don't know. It'd be like using you know the Hunger Games terminology in 
a Lord of the Rings movie. You know, you just don't do that. You don't mix your worlds, you know. Yeah. It's like they're they're distinct things. So it just, that just makes bothers sense. me. And to me, it can sometimes come across as almost elitism. It's like, oh, I know what these things are. So I'm going to speak in this coded language <laughs> for right. those new players. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people aren't necessarily thinking that when they do it. But but that definitely is part of it. That's that's part of what um, jargon does is it it creates that sense of us and them and, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're part of our group if you use our jargon. Um, and, you know, humans love to associate with groups. Yes. For wh- whatever reason. <laughs> we like um, being part. Yeah, that'd be a different tribes. podcast, I guess, talking about <laughs> that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan. And, you know, we've, we've talked about on this show, um, there is a lot of jargon and slang in um, the magic community and you know sometimes uh if you're if you're someone like us and and you're coming back to the game and you haven't played it for a while or if you're a new player um it can be kind of hard like some of these uh magic podcasts or just hearing people talk about magic i mean sometimes you don't even know what the fuck they're talking about (laughs) because they're using all this jargon and um they don't stop and explain to you Mm-hmm. like what the terms mean and so you kind of have to be like oh well what's this what's simic i don't know what simic is what's yeah. that you know um and a lot of people actually won't do that because they're afraid of looking stupid and so they'll mm-hmm. just kind of <laughs> and kind of laugh and smile along even though they don't have a clue so we're going to try really hard on this podcast not to use any jargon or terms like that without um defining it yeah for you i keep bumping this table going to get complaints. Sorry. <laughs> this table's kind of not the best. But um yeah, so I have asked Nikki to help me because I'm afraid I may do this sometimes and not realize it. So she's supposed to call me out if I use any any jargon and then we can tell you guys what we mean by that because you know, we we're not here to alienate anyone or make right. anyone feel stupid. You know, we're here to answer questions, not create questions, right? right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I do have one last thing on my list I was going to talk about, but let's go to you and we'll save this for last. We can come back to me at the end. So Nikki, um, what have you been up to? All right. Well, I was playing Duels of the Planeswalkers, the 2013 game, um, just like you were. I have not finished the campaign, surprise, surprise, but I'm having a lot of fun trying to finish it the other day when i was playing i think it was probably two or three days ago and i just kept losing over and over and over again i think i won one game that whole night it was just pathetic (laughs) wow so yeah and i tried all different decks against this opponent and this opponent can't remember his name of course but he was um it was a white deck and it was a lot of uh, soldiers like tokens and stuff like that and he just i don't know he just killed me too quick I could never, you know, beat him down quick enough. So, did you I try the uh, the mono red um, Chandra deck against him? No, I did not try that one. Yeah, I tried, I'll, like, I'll three, bet that would work. Three decks. Okay, I'll be- try that because one. I, um, yeah, I, I had the same problem with uh, one of the white decks in the 2014 version. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very similar. It was like this white weenie deck. <laughs> Which, oh, I, I better define that, right? Yeah, so I don't know what that is. That's just a bunch of like little cheap creatures, like oh. one ones and crap and, and just like, like tokens, you know, and stuff like that. Like, like really little creatures. It's kind of like, instead of like, like a green deck where, you know, you save up and bring out the, a few like huge 
creatures. Mm-hmm. Instead, mm-hmm. you've just got multitudes of these little weenies and just like <laughs> overrun. But, but okay. the thing about them is they can be really fast. Because, you know, like while your green deck is, is ramping for the first few turns and mm-hmm. just getting mana out, you know, the white decks just like bringing out shit tons of creatures. And then, you know, white tends to have a lot of synergy, um, with, uh, creatures kind of helping each other out. Like, oh, well, this, this creature gives all the other white creatures plus one plus one, or this creature gives all the, the humans or the soldiers vigilance or first strike right. or whatever. And, um, so I had a similar problem with, well, with white decks in both of those games and, mm-hmm. and both times that's, that's how I beat it was I was like, well, I need a deck that's super fast. Right. And I would like to have something that can do direct damage so that mm-hmm. anytime one of those creatures comes out that is going to make all the other creatures more powerful, I can take mm-hmm. them out before they get a chance to do their thing. Okay. And, and also, um, I think that that red deck specifically has, some spells that will do like one or two damage to all creatures, which mm-hmm. is awesome against those, those weenie decks. Cause he may have 21 ones out and you can take them all out with one spell, which, yeah. which is awesome. Okay. I'm definitely going to have to try the Chandra deck. Yeah. The reason I think I didn't try it is because I tried the red goblin deck that you got me. Oh, okay. And so I was like, okay, that kind of fills the void of some, you know, red, a, an, a red aggro deck. Yeah. So I didn't think of the Chandra deck, but I'll try that one. But yeah, the Goblin deck you got me is really fun. <laughs> oh, you like that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Nikki's been wanting to to make and or play an all Goblin deck. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure why. Um, goblins are short and ugly, but she likes them. <laughs> um, oh, you. and before anybody asks, I am not short. Well, I might be ugly, but I'm definitely not <laughs> no, short. Not. So I I don't know. I'm not very Goblin like. And so maybe you don't relate well to them, <laughs> but. Well, I just thought that someone might say, well, maybe she likes you because you're short and ugly, oh. <laughs> just like the goblins. Man, you make our listener out to be some pretty tough critics. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know who's listening. Well, I like goblins because they tend to be very humorous creatures, yeah, yeah, they you know, do. and they're like, I just think of this tiny little cackling creature that just likes to cause trouble. And to me, that's a fun image and uh, like just a fun character to play with. And when you have tons in the deck, you get creatures that like it's a goblin inventor. So he makes his own wings. And so on the picture, he's like flying. And so the creature has flying and it's just little things like that that crack me up. I Goblin Inventor seems like an oxymoron to me. I know. <laughs> I don't remember which card, but it was like blue and red because the blue was the intelligent knowledge side. Okay. But anyway, cards like that, I just have a blast with. And then in this Goblin deck, there was a giant and he gave other goblins flying and the picture is him oh, holding yeah. a goblin and throwing him. <laughs> yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. it just gives me like a story and it's just more fun to me. But Well, more specifically, doesn't mm-hmm. he he doesn't give the goblin flying per se. He you sacrifice a goblin and then he does damage to something, right? It's like he's throwing the goblin at it. Uh that could be. I I thought it was that he gives somebody the a goblin flying, but then that goblin is sacrificed at the end of the turn. So okay. he does die at the end cuz he's being thrown. <laughs> yeah, I might I might be thinking of a different card then. Okay. I think there was another card in that deck that was um, like sacrifice a goblin and do 
such and such damage to target creature or player yeah. or something like that. Yeah, totally. I remember the card you're thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, total blast. Um, I also played, uh, a little tiny bit of the magic 2014 on Steam. Okay. And that was fun, but I guess once I get into one, version i just want to stay with that version like 20 right now i'm all about 2013 so i tried to pick up 2014 and play it again and just didn't stick so i'm just doing 2013 trying to get through it and then we also made another wizard's tower yep and it was not theros though it was gate crash and so that was kind of cool to buy a new box of cards first of all you know it was a fat pack and it's a set that i haven't seen before or at least not much of at all maybe one booster yeah so it was neat to get to see different cards but i have to confess i think i would have been happier with a theros fat pack and a new theros wizard's tower (laughs) yeah i i totally agree i was really disappointed um i uh i listen to a lot of podcasts at work while Mm -hmm. i'm I'm working um so i go through a lot of podcasts and Mm -hmm. Um, there, there are a few magic podcasts I listen to that I enjoy. And, 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 uh, so those I've, I've been kind of going backwards a little bit and listening mm-hmm. to some of their older in- episodes that sound interesting. And so I've, I've heard a lot of talk about gate crash mm-hmm. and, um, return to Ravnica and, uh, oh, what was the other one? Dragon's maze. Okay. And at first I was just like, eh, whatever. You know, I miss that set. It's come and gone. I don't really care. You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather go forward. Um, but then as I heard people talk more about the guilds and, you know, the two color decks and, and all this stuff, I thought, well, that, that seems kind of cool. And, you know, I've been wanting to try out a blue and green deck. Right. Um, because I have some ideas in my head of, of how a blue and green deck could be really cool, like kind of using blue to fill in the weaknesses of green and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, you know, here in like Gate Crash, you know, there's going to be all these cards that are made for blue and green to work together. And that'd be really cool. So, right. so I, I kind of talked you into getting this, this Gate Crash, um, uh, fat pack and mm-hmm. doing a Wizard's Tower with it. And, and yeah, I was like, we were like just a few turns in and I was like, I'd rather be playing Theros. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just in every way. It just wasn't as good. The art wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. The the flavor wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. The the mechanics. I didn't like the mechanics. Like, um, what was the one that you had on some of your cards? Um it was the one where you could you could either play it as a creature or you could discard it and pay a mana cost and it would like act as an instant, like a combat trick. Yeah, and that was so confusing to me. Blood Rush. Understand. Was it Blood yes. Rush? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was just like, what an obtuse, convoluted mechanic. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and then with all the counters and mm-hmm. um like the uh like evolve and like, mm-hmm. oh well every time I summon a creature I gotta remember that these guys have evolve and check and see if they're gonna evolve. Right. And then what was the other one? Um the uh where you like took where the spell was actually you'd cast a spell and then it would be exiled. But instead of exiling it, you'd put it under a -hmm. creature because it's like imprinted on that creature. And then when the creature does damage to a player, then the spell can happen again. It's like 
I only remember the term encoded. It's like it's yeah, encoded on it's creature. like. Are you fucking kidding me? I think <laughs> right. it was called Cypher. <laughs> yeah, Cypher. It, it was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure there's people that get into that, but, but I'm like, it, it almost seems like complexity for complexity's sake. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I want to play the game and have fun. I don't want to sit here and have a million things I have to remember. Right. And like all this crap. You know, if I wanted that kind of complexity, I'd play Commander and have a lot more fun. <laughs> playing these like ridiculously powerful cards and then having this in like just a yeah got like a one two creature with evolve or whatever yeah yeah, uh, yeah i was not a fan <laughs> and the art was just so uninspired uh, compared yeah. to, to theros um it was funny it, it was kind of it, it was in a way it was good because i've been starting to wonder if i just have like if i just like theros because i like greek mythology and and everything, but it's like, you know, we even compared some of the cards side by side in the art. It's just like you were saying, you're the artist. You explain how the oh. art is so different. It was the colors sure. and. Yeah, I feel like Theros, they have a lot of these highly saturated, bright, um, brightly lit, uh, I guess stories in their pictures. For instance, you have a picture of a character. Um, and the card is for that character. It's named, you know, that monster or whatever. But then in the background, um, for when we were looking at gate crash, those cards, there's nothing going on in the background or just be like puffs of clouds or something. Yeah. I don't or know. just a color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Theros, like the artist looks at that, takes that character, but also builds a story around it and behind it. And you can see, you know, cities and things going on. And I don't know, it just feels like more interactive. It feels more convincing to me, the different images. Now I will say that the, the, um, land cards in Gate Crash were beautiful. I thought. Yeah, I agree. The land cards were really cool. Yeah, those are really just inventive and a lot of times colorful. And I like the idea of Gate Crash, the fact that it's all cities. And so even the swamps and the mountains, you know, it was various pictures of cities. Right. It's Coruscant. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, Coruscant was around long before Gate Crash, so okay, yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the actual creature cards and a lot of the spells were kind of eh, picture yeah. wise, a flavor yeah. text wise. I only found maybe two cards that that made me laugh or made me smile. Well, so, it's like you said, the a lot of the artwork in Theros, like it tells a story, right? And and yeah, I, I to me it seemed like some of the cards, it was like the artist had come up with like the image that's in the foreground and he was going to do something in the background. And then like the deadline came and he was like, Oh shit, this is due right now. I'll, I'll just like put some pink mist in the background and, and that'll be it. And it's like, there's, it's like this thing with no context or, or location, you know, it's like yeah, whatever this is, it's happening is happening somewhere, but we don't know where because there's just mist or, or color or it looks like a canvas or whatever. Yeah. Where in Theros, it's like there's a background. You're in a place. There's an ocean or something. Mm -hmm. And, and like you were saying, a lot of times when you look at the background, there's actually things happening that's kind of like building a story mm -hmm. to this, to this image. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, you know, we've, well, let's, let's get into it. Um, we've seen some of the, the Born of the Gods spoilers. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Um, some really exciting stuff. And, um, the art for Born of the Gods looks as good, if not better, 
than the art in Theros. Um, yep. the, Definitely. the cards that we've seen, um, the mechanics, the flavor are, look really cool, really mm-hmm. fun. And so I am hoping that this is a new direction and that Theros block is a beginning of a new way of doing something. And that in the next block after Theros, whatever that is, we're not going to go back to boring, cartoony art and convoluted, unfun mechanics and yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. But we'll see. We shall see. So, yeah, let's talk about the... Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about as far as what you've been doing? No, that was about it. Well, let's talk about the Born of the Gods spoilers. I'm, I'm sure everybody knows all about this. Um, it's been all the rage on the web and on Twitter. Um, have you had a chance to, to look at any of the cards that have been spoiled so far? Yes, I have. So of what'd course, you think? my favorite is Kiora. Well, she's yeah. like that surfer. Yeah, she's the best. Um, she is the best. And then there's the other one, Kiora's follower. And that it's kind of neat because like her, um, of course, I guess she's a merfolk, but her skin tone and her clothing and everything and her scales and all her little details are reflected again in her follower card. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a new theme for me. It's a new like um I don't know how to explain. A new world, of course. And, well, I guess Born of the Gods is technically still in Theros, right? Yes. Okay, so it's all one world. Yep. It just expands the world for right, me. Right, So it's kind of neat. And, um, yeah, some of the gods, the new new gods, God of the Polis, mm-hmm. with the one with the bucket that's like pouring a flowing bucket of stars well, out. like a like a pitcher oh yeah a pitcher <laughs> much yeah. more elegantly like put. a, yeah, like a, a greek style you know water vessel thing. okay like vestal virgin like imagine the vestal virgins like drawing water you know okay something like that <laughs> okay so yeah really cool themes but mechanics wise i haven't gotten a chance to study it too much um what have you seen what do you like as far as the mechanics or anything the- Born of the um, Gods related. <laughs> I love the art. Um, the the mm-hmm. gods that we've seen are really, really cool. So probably everybody knows this, but, but um, well, obviously in Theros there were five gods, and each of the gods represented one of the colors of magic. Um, so what they're doing in Born of the Gods and then the next set, which I think is called Journey into Nyx, mm-hmm. um, is they're going to have ten minor gods that are each representing two of the colors. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the gods in Born of the Gods are all two color cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. the, the ones that I've seen, I don't think I've seen all of them yet, but the ones that I've seen, the, the art is just awesome. I just, I love the way they d- depict the gods. I love the way they depict um, like kind of the Knicks, like you see the stars behind them or yeah. within them. Um, I, I really like that. As far as the mechanics, the mechanics look like they're going to be a lot of fun. Um, heroic, there's still, you're still going to have heroic and you're still going to have devotion and you're still going to have bestow. Um, I believe the born of the gods cards do not have monstrosity in case and or in case instead they have a mechanic called oh inspired inspire no i don't think no tribute tribute is the one i'm thinking of that okay. is kind of be, um 
because I think that's going on the monsters instead of monstrosity. But but tribute, basically, the way I understand it is when when you play the card like like a creature, mm-hmm. it has a tribute um, that uh, your opponent basically has a choice of either the creature gets bigger or the opponent just takes some damage to the face, um, which okay. is kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. And then Inspire, which you mentioned, is another new mechanic in Born of the Gods, which is a special ability that will happen when the creature untaps. Ah, okay. So when when a creature with Inspire untaps, something cool will happen when when they untap. Okay. So that that I think will be really fun. Um, And it it will be really cool to see how that kind of... um, plays in with the bestow and the heroic and all that stuff from the Theros cards. Yeah. I have a feeling it will mesh very well. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see how it all works together. And I'm really excited to play some limited, um, when the born of the gods comes out and, yeah. and lose horribly with the new cards. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh. <laughs> and we plan on going to the pre-release. Are Are we going? I want to. I thought you didn't want to. Oh, no, I totally want to. I have okay. blocked off my calendar. Just maybe not for the whole five hours. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> where I get a bit worried. Have, have we decided where we're going yet? No, not yet. We want to find a place that has a two-headed giant event, right? Right. Yeah, because not all the places um, have the two-headed giant. Some just have the sealed, mm-hmm. um, which that would be fun too, but I'd rather do the two-headed giant so we can we can do our two-headed giant thing and then get the fuck out of there if we want to. <laughs> Okay. Um, and I'd love to find a place that isn't going to be ridiculously crowded, but that yeah. might not be possible where we live. Right. Because it sounds like the places that will have two-headed giant are the bigger places. Okay. Which, of course, is going to draw more of a crowd. So. Sure. Sure. Actually, we might have procrastinated too much, and we might not be able to go now. They might be all sold out. <gasps> Aww. Because it, it, at least, um, uh, what was it, Card Kingdom, they started selling their tickets on Friday, I think. Oh. So they might be sold out by now. Okay. Um, so we'll have to look into that. Yeah. But, okay. you know, whatever. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, let me see. So, so yeah, the one thing I wanted to also talk about was was the Gate Crash Wizards Tower, which we talked about. Not nearly as fun as Theros. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of funny. We really lucked out um, trying Wizards Tower for the first time with Theros. Yeah. Because especially after playing it with... Uh, Gate Crash. I mean, Theros just seems to be really well suited mm-hmm. to Wizard's Tower. Gate Crash really sucked. Um, M14 was okay, mm-hmm. but not nearly as fun as Theros, but better than Gate Crash. Um, so I agree. It may not be uh, an accident that the Wizard's Tower was described in the book for the Theros Fat Pack because maybe some really smart people at Wizards was like, you know, this works really great with the Theros cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of funny other than you and me, I haven't heard anyone talk about wizard's tower and, and anytime I ask people about it, they mm. don't even know what it is. Aww. So, um, I don't know. I, I wonder why. I don't know. I, I have my theories, but I don't want to go into it, but okay. I'm, I'm curious if anyone's actually playing wizard's tower other than us. So if you're playing wizard's tower, let us know yeah. so that I know we're not the only ones. <laughs> not that I care. I wouldn't stop because no one else was doing it. I just. I'd like to know if other people are or not, because if we're the only ones that care, then we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but yeah, let us know even if you don't like it. You know, we just want to know your experience. Yeah, and then let us know why you don't like it mm-hmm. or why you do like it or yeah. Um yeah, we haven't really heard from anybody uh about it. Um mm-hmm. I was really hoping to get some feedback from people as far as maybe modifications they made to it or things they've tried with it. Um but uh I I think we we really got to um we got to reach the Timmies out there. I know it's tough. You know, I was told by someone on Twitter, I, I will leave this person nameless because I, I didn't tell them I was going to mention them on the podcast. Um, I don't like outing people without them knowing. Um, but I was told by one gentleman on Twitter who is, uh, very knowledgeable about things magic that, um, the Timmy crowd is, uh, a hard, a hard demographic to, uh, to reach mm-hmm. and even wizards, I guess, according to him, have had problems reaching this demographic. So he seemed to think that we have a, a uphill battle um, finding our audience. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think part of it is Timmy's kind of get a bad rap. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people, um, especially, I, I hate to say, especially it seems like Spike's, tend to think that if someone's a Timmy, that it means that they suck or they don't know how to play. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I, like we said on the first episode, you know, no one is just one thing, right? right. We're all blends in diff- different degrees of, of the different aspects. And I think just because you appreciate the art and the flavor and all that stuff doesn't mean that you can't be just as competitive as, as anybody else. Right. Um, so one of our goals in this podcast is to kind of reclaim some honor for the Timmies out there mm-hmm. so that if you are a Timmy, you don't have to be ashamed there. You know, we can all enjoy the game that we want to. And you are no less of a magic player than someone that plays at the pro level. That's right. You know, I mean, the the game, it magic isn't one game, right? It's a lot of different games yep. and different games for different people. And you know what? If If you don't consider yourself a Timmy or identify as a Timmy, that doesn't mean that this podcast isn't for you because even the spikiest spike can get into some good (laughs) art, right? Yeah. Or some good flavor, you know? So it's like, you know, let's, let's, you know, wizards has to label people for marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we're players. We don't have to label people and we don't have to, to be bound by labels that other people give us. Um, Mm -hmm. so let's, let's quit labeling each other and let's just all enjoy the game the way we want and let everybody else enjoy the game they want. Right. And, uh, you know, however you enjoy the game, try to appreciate something new about it. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in touch with my inner spike and I'm trying to (laughs) do some drafts and and become a better player technically. I've Mm -hmm. even, I I talked with you about this, Nikki. I've even like kicked around the idea of trying to become a judge Mm -hmm. um, because I want to learn the rules better anyway. And so why not, you know, really learn them? Yeah, totally. Um, but, but yeah, you know, labels suck. Yeah, I know. I don't even like the fact that all three of the names spike. Oh, don't get me started. Timmy. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Okay. They're all male names, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want to be like Timmy or Tina, you know, like. Exactly. I don't know. But I understand why they do it. I, I'm in, I'm a web designer. I understand marketing and the fact that you need to stereotype uh, a group of people and kind of generalize in order to create a face for your audience. I understand the benefits of that. Sure. But just as a player, I kind of feel like uh, my voice isn't being heard sometimes. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It You know, everything has its place. Right. 
And, and so as a marketing tool, that's a valid thing. But, but the problem is, is when we as players start to identify with these things and then start to judge other players based on where we think they fit on this spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, and it just really, it cheapens all of us because it's just ignoring the complexity that we all have and thinking right. that each person has to be one or the other. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yep. Totally. It's a, it's a lot more complex than that. Now, for any listeners that just started listening to us today, and for me, because I've never read the article, where do you learn more about this Timmy Spike names and uh, generalizations that Wizards has? Okay. Well, if you go to Wizards site, you know what? We Why don't you make a note? We I'll will, make a link. Yeah. We'll make a link um, because... You know, I have read so many articles on Wizards site and I still sometimes have issues finding the articles on their site. Their their site needs some work. Um Nikki, you're a web designer. Maybe maybe you could help them out. I don't That'd know. Be great. I don't know what the, Have you been on their site? Yes, I have, and it does look very outdated to me. Well, it's it's not just the way it looks. It's like try to get somewhere. Try to find the columns. There are columns. There oh, there no, are people who have Weekly columns. There are mm-hmm. columns every day of the week, except maybe Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. These great articles about magic. You can yeah. learn so much, but it's fun trying to find them. It, you'd think, you'd think like on the homepage, it would be like, Hey, go mm-hmm. read our columns. Here they are. You know, this is something we're really proud of. But one of those columns, I believe it's called Making Magic. It's by Mark Rosewater. Okay. And. I am not sure if he's the one that came up with the psychographics, although I think he is. Okay. But he's the one that I think wrote the article. Now I'm getting scared as I'm saying this <laughs> that I could be wrong. We'll find the article. <laughs> I think he's the one that wrote the article. There's okay. actually two articles. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact titles, but but the first one is, you know, something like Spike. Spike John, John and Johnny and Timmy or whatever. Okay. And then there was a second article that was a revisiting mm-hmm. because after publishing this article, surprise, surprise, you know, players just ran with it and kind of oh. got the wrong idea. And Timmy's got all this discrimination. Oh, they're terrible players. And, oh. and there's all these beliefs about Johnny's and Spikes and, mm-hmm. you know, just people just went overboard with it. And so then they tried to come back and say, Oh, well, you guys are kind of misunderstanding this. Let's mm-hmm. try to explain it more in depth. And, um, so then there was that article. And okay. then he's also talked about it on his driving to work podcast. He has an episode about the psychographics. Um, so if you would prefer to hear someone tell you about it instead of read it, you mm-hmm. can, you can go find that. Okay. Um, but it's, yeah, like, I mean, it's a great, I am not bashing it as a marketing tool, but that's really, I think where it should have remained. Right. And I don't even know that it was such a great idea to, to even yeah. share this with the players. Exactly. It's like, we don't need to know how the sausage is made when yep. it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Because- and other companies I work for, they don't share that information. You know, that's for the, the people inside the company doing their work. That's for them. It's not for their customers. Right. So I agree. I'm, I mean, I don't know what happened when this, cause this has been out for a while. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened at the time, but I'd be really surprised if there weren't quite a number of people that were deeply offended hmm. by these psychographics. I think, I would think most people would be, you know, people that don't necessarily understand the marketing side of it and are like, Oh, well, you know, you know, you're making these statements about me and why I play magic. And (laughs) and I find this very offensive, even though it's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, there's always somebody that's going to be offended. <laughs> well, right. Let's be honest. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, being me has its privileges. All right. It's time for my favorite segment, what we're drinking. Woo! <laughs> so tonight I am drinking Samuel Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout. Yummy. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Lex, I think you bought this for me the first time I ever had it. Probably. And it was, <laughs> well, you saw chocolate and you're like, yeah, stout, chocolate. Yeah, she'll like yeah. that. And it's really delicious. It's the best chocolate stout I've personally ever had. Absolutely. Um, me too. Very chocolatey. It does say that's a malt beverage with natural flavor added. So they do add cocoa, I'm guessing. Um, and it just, uh, it's awesome. It's smooth. It's creamy. It's, uh, very dark, but I highly recommend it if you like stouts, um, or if you just really love chocolate and want to try something new. And Samuel Smith is a British brewery, correct? Yes. This is a product of UK. Yeah. And they, um, they have a lot of beers. They, they make a lot of fruit beers. Like mm-hmm. they have, uh, Cherry, raspberry, strawberry, apricot. Um, they, they make a cider. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I've ever had of theirs is really, really good. Yeah. Really good. They, they make a great IPA. Um, I love their IPA. Yeah. It's just good, high quality beer. Yes. Yes. Very high quality. Very good stuff. All right. So, Lex, what are you drinking? Go UK. Yeah, really? <laughs> All right. Well, I am also drinking a European beer. Okay. Um, I am drinking one of my favorite, if not my favorite beer. Um, this is a Hefeweizen, and it's an actual authentic German Hefeweizen, mm. Francis Connor Weiss beer. And this is imported. It's from it's Spaten. Right? Spaten. Spaten? Spaten Brewery. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure it is. Yes. Imported by Spaten North America Incorporated. Um, So this is a Hefeweizen, which is a wheat beer. Um, Just the best Hefeweizen I have ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are an American and you drink American beer and you say, I like Hefeweizen's, I like Pyramid, and I like, what is it, Widmere Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> um, do yourself a favor. Go buy yourself a bottle of Francis Connor mm-hmm. and have a real Hefeweizen, and you'll never drink that other swill again. <laughs> um, so Hefeweizen, especially uh, this, this particular one, mm-hmm. um, when you drink it, you are going to taste hints of banana oh, yeah. and hints of clove. Mm-hmm. And there are no bananas or cloves in the recipe. This all comes from the yeast. Um, they, when they metabolize the alcohol, they release various esters and, uh oh, I'm going to blank, uh, phenols, I believe. Esters and phenols. I yes, think you're right. I think that's right. And these, um, give the beer its flavors in different mm-hmm. strains, different species of yeast release slightly different compounds when they metabolize. And I, I want to say banana is the ester and clove is the phenol, but I'm not Sounds 100% right <laughs> sure. I think that's right. Um, 
but yeah, it's really, really good. And if you try different German Hefeweizens, d- different ones will have diff- varying amounts of the banana or varying amounts of the clove. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one I found that has the balance of the two flavors that I personally prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those, those, um, American quote unquote Hefeweizens that I mentioned, like Windmere Brothers or Pyramid or a million others I've had, um, they don't have those flavors because they don't use the right yeast. They use American ale yeast or something else. They don't use the authentic Bavarian yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it tastes different, and yet they call it a Hefeweizen. I, I think there should be a law against that. I think they should get sued and lose a lot of money and <laughs> have to call their beer something else. Um, but that's just me. Um, so, yeah, this is a great beer. Um, kind of interesting story about this beer. I think maybe... This was the beer that got me liking beer because when Nikki and I first met, I was not a beer drinker at all. Um, I would drink beer if there was absolutely nothing else to drink, but I was much more of a martini man. I, I like my martinis. I like my, um, my hard liquor and my mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would occasionally drink a little wine, though I, I don't know a whole lot about wine. Um, and Nikki was all about the beer. And so we moved to Washington and we decided that we would learn to brew ourselves. And so I was like, well, you know, I'd better become more educated about beer and maybe I'll find some beers I like. And we found this cool ass German bar mm-hmm. um, here in Seattle that serves nothing but authentic German beer. Yep. And I, um, my, my family on my mom's side is from Switzerland. And so I'm half Swiss and I've, I've been to Switzerland. And when I was in Switzerland, I drank a lot of beer in Switzerland Mm -hmm. because I was 18 years old at the time. I was, I just graduated from high school and over there you can drink beer when you're 18. Of course Uh you can't hear. So, and, and also over there, you know, it's, it's very customary to have a beer with your lunch and have a beer with your dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, while I was over there, every time we ate out for lunch or dinner, I got a beer, mm-hmm. and I tr- tried all these different beers. <laughs> and wow. um, and interesting little side note, you know what the cheap beer over there was? No. Mm-mm. The cheap beer was Heineken. Really? So when huh. you looked at the menu, like the cheapest beer on the menu, that right. like, you know, was the poor man's beer or whatever, right, right. it was Heineken. So they didn't have Pabst? <laughs> No. For some reason, they don't import that here from the United States. I don't know why. Maybe because it's shit. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, I liked every beer I had over there. Even the Heineken um, was better over there than it is here because it has a higher alcohol content. You can get good Heineken in Canada. Oh, that's right. Canada has Heineken with the correct alcohol content. Um, I don't know why it's different here. Um, But anyway... Uh, I liked every beer I had over there. So we mm-hmm. saw this German bar and I was like, Hey, let's try the German bar. Cause when I was in Switzerland, um, I like, I really liked the beer over there and a mm-hmm. lot of it was German. And so we went and it just so happened that they had this Francis Connor on tap and that's what yeah. I decided to get. And I loved it and I couldn't get enough of it. And for a long time, that's all I drank. 
And then I I slowly started to branch out. I tried other German beers Mm -hmm. and found I liked them. And then I tried other Belgian beers and found I liked those. Um, I really like Lambics. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've even found a few American-made beers that are really good. But but they are few and far between um, because people over here try to do something unique. And, you know, these beers have been made for hundreds and hundreds of years Mm -hmm. using the same recipe. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Because Tried they, and true. Yeah, exactly. They found what worked. They found the best and, and they're doing that. And, and then these arrogant Americans are like, Oh, well, I've been brewing for five <laughs> years and I know better than these guys have been brewing for centuries. And uh-huh. I'm going to do this to the recipe. And oh, this is wonderful. And I'm like, Oh my God, this tastes like ass wrapped in sock. <laughs> oh yeah. The old sock taste. That's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. To me, uh, when I think of a Hefeweizen, I think of Francis Connor. That's what I actually compare to all other Hefeweizens that I have. Yeah. That to me is the best that I've had. I'd say my second favorite is probably Eyinger mm-hmm. or Eyinger. Man, it's been too long since I took German. Pronunciation is probably pretty bad, <laughs> um, which is also a Bavarian uh, Hefeweizen. Um, mm-hmm. That one has a little more of the banana and less of the clove. Okay. Um, so if, if you try the Francis Connor and you're like, mm, I really dig the banana, but the clove isn't really for me, then maybe try an Eyinger. That might be more your speed. Longest beer segment ever. <laughs> yes. Let me pontificate about my life with beer. <laughs> it's a good stuff. And I always say craft beer and magic go along perfectly together. Yes. Although mead and magic go really well together, too. Yes, we did discover that last night. <laughs> in trance music. <laughs> yes. Or classic rock. Either or. <laughs> or really anything. As long as there's meat and magic, you know, the rest is just icing on the cake, right? Right. <laughs> the flavor picks of the week are, uh, for me, two white cards. What? I know, I know. But you fundamentalist <laughs> bastard. Well, I I admit the reason I was attracted to these two cards initially was the art. But um, the first one is Decorated Griffin. And the flavor text reads, The awards and medals of Polis dwellers mean nothing to Griffins, but they repay acts of generosity. Cool. The reason I kind of like this, other than the art, I think it's really cool, um, is that it kind of goes along with what the card does. He's a 2-3 flying creature, uh-huh. but then you can pay mana, basically like giving him a gift, right? and prevent the next one combat damage that would be dealt to you this turn. Oh. So here's a question for you, because I've never played this card in a game before. Does that mean okay. one point of combat damage? Like, Let let's say you're going to do seven points of damage to me, then I only take six? Yes, but um, since that ability doesn't tap him, you can spend, you can do that multiple times as long as you have the mana. Oh, so okay. if something is doing three damage to you, you could spend three white and three colorless mm-hmm. and prevent all of it. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So that's that's pretty cool. I've I've played that card once or twice in uh, limited games, and I've never used that ability. Just mm-hmm. never had the mana and the reason to use it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it could be cool. Like, you could definitely find find good times to use that, for sure. 
Yeah, totally. And he does, he costs um, four colorless and one white to bring out. And he's only two, three. So, I'm, you know, at first yeah. I wasn't drawn to him, but. Yeah, but he is flying. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. And then my second card is Glare of Heresy. And this is one colorless and one white mana to bring out. It's a sorcery. And you can exile a target white permanent with it. The flavor text reads, no foe is more hated than the former friend. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I just, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. The truth really rang with me and I just really liked it. So, so I picked it. I have some former friends that would probably agree with that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't want to get on your bad Bastards! side. Bastards! <laughs> All right, Lex, let's hear yours. Okay, well, I made sure and picked some blue cards this week um, because last time I picked white cards and I was really bummed because I'm usually not a fan of white. And I was like, I should have mm-hmm. picked the color I like. Oh. Um, but I'm hoping that Theros might get me over my white prejudice. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I realize why I have a prejudice against white and I'm not going to get into it on the show. But um, white is pretty cool in Theros. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I dig it and... Um, so maybe I'll get over it with Theros. Um, so I picked two blue cu- cards because blue is my favorite color right now. Um, my first one I picked is Griptide. And so this is an instant where you put the target creature on top of its owner's library. And it's got this gr- great animation of this guy. It looks like he's like just crawled onto the beach from the ocean and this like wave of water has come at him and shaped itself into a hand Mm -hmm. and is like grabbing him by the arm to like pull him back into the water. Um, (laughs) So Thassa is about to make him her bitch. (laughs) And you said animation. So when you look at this card to you, do you like actually see the movement in it? I said animation. Yeah. (laughs) On the, instead of image, I think Oh, I just, that made me think maybe when you're looking at it, I mean, obviously it's not animated, but when you're looking at it, you kind of can see the movement in the card. You can see it happening. Yeah. I can kind of see what happened before this snapshot and Mm -hmm. I can see what's going to happen after. That's cool. Um, it's not going to be good for this guy. I think (laughs) it's a guy. It's kind of hard to tell on this printout. Um, But here's the quote. It says, when the sea god Thassa wishes to speak with a mortal, she does not issue a summons or grant a vision requesting a visit. The sea simply brings her guest before her. (laughs) That's great. And this quote really makes me think of a scene in the Odyssey where um, this basically happens to Odysseus because he pisses off Poseidon. Um, because Poseidon like kind of helps him out at Troy and, uh, Odysseus is kind of like, fuck you, Poseidon. (laughs) You know, I did this because I'm awesome and I'm not going to give thanks to you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so Poseidon was like, you know, a spiteful little bitch. And so like (laughs) tried to drown, uh, Odysseus and, you know, got him and his, his other ships like all lost and, oh and all this stuff. And, and that okay. was kind of the beginning of um, the Odyssey, which is the tale of him trying to get home. Um, and, you know, most of that was because he pissed off Poseidon and Poseidon mm-hmm. was like, Oh, well, you're going to piss me off and then think you're going to sail across my ocean <laughs> to get home. Right. Ha ha ha. Foolish mortal. You know? 
So, so this card totally makes me think of that, which is awesome because that's as it should be. Yeah. Because this is all inspired by, by Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Odysseus is also my, my favorite Greek warrior. Okay. Um, because if you've ever read, um, the Odyssey and especially the Iliad, oh my God, he was like the only one that had a brain. The rest <laughs> of them were just like hairless apes, like, <laughs> screaming and beating oh, their man. chests and killing each other. I'm serious. Have you read the Odyssey yes, or the Iliad before? Yes, but it's been before? so long. <laughs> oh, my God. People really haven't changed. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, my second card is Lost in a Labyrinth. This is also a blue instant. And this is a spell that gives a target creature minus three, minus zero until the end of turn and lets you scry one. And so the quote on this is even those who leave the labyrinth never escape it, forever dreaming of their time trapped within. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And and it's got a, uh, the picture is this dude who we could call Jason. Okay. Or wait, no, it wasn't Jason that did the uh, labyrinth. It was Theseus, wasn't it? I don't remember. Asking the wrong gal. Yeah, probably Theseus. Sounds right. Because we watched um, a TV show about him right and he went into a labyrinth to fight the minotaur well i don't think you should use that show as a basis (laughs) well i just forget the character names yeah (laughs) yeah i think it was theseus i'm I'm, keep thinking jason and the argonauts but that that was a different story um so yeah so so we'll call him theseus he's he's in this chamber you see some skeletons laying on the ground some torches behind him and he just has this kind of air of like where the fuck am i um (laughs) Yeah, so those are my flavor picks. Awesome. Great, great Theros slash Greek flavor for you. Silence! Everyone will please not panic. All right, I'm going to jump right into magical artistry. And this week, our artist is Eric Deschamp. And he spells his last name D-E-S-C-H. A-M-P-S, in case you want to Google some of his work. Are you sure it's not D-Champs? <laughs> fairly certain, but I am <laughs> taking a stab at it. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric, if I got your name mispronounced. But <laughs> his work is just stunning to me. Um, he is a sci-fi and fantasy illustrator. And he's also worked on video games as a concept artist. So he's had quite a bit of experience. And of course, he works for Magic, but he's also worked for um, Blizzard, Paizo Publishing, which I know you've played games by them. Yes. And um, oh, Sony Online Entertainment. So right now, you know, of course, I'm just going to talk about the Wizards of the Coast work, but I am so excited because I just got Perforos, God of the Hunt, and he did the art for that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's also done the artwork for Theros's El- Elsbeth. Uh-huh. And that, I think there were, were there two cards? No, there was just one card for Elsbeth, and it was the Sun's Champion. So okay. that is his piece as well. Cool. If you want to go ahead and take a look at some of his work while we talk about it, go to um, his website. It's his name, ericdeschamps.com. Okay. And you can take a look at some of his artwork and um, actually buy prints on the site. Cool, cool. Yeah. He's done um, Vanquish the Fowl 
and you can actually download the wallpaper for this stuff on Wizard's site. And I'll provide a link in the show notes for everyone so they can see some of the work. But it's really it's really fantastic the way that he, of course, I think I said this last week as well, but these artists have such an amazing grasp on how light plays into the piece and how to spotlight the character on the card. And this is something Eric does so well. Um, Elsbeth on, I think this one was Vanquish the Fowl, yes, from Theros. And Elsbeth is in the center fighting off what looks to be a Hydra with her weapon. And just the way her clothing is moving in the wind, you can just imagine how she's moving the weapon through the air. And it's very, um, it's very captivating to me. So I really like his work. And he's done work from other sets as well. And again, you can download the paper, the wallpaper from these sets. And you can get them for your computer, for your tablet. Um, you can get them for your phone. You can even get the wallpaper to put on your Facebook and your Twitter account. Awesome. Yeah, so it's really neat, and I'll provide more links, like I said. And I'm just going to end up making a magic art folder on my computer and just have it rotate through all these pieces because it's really spectacular. Cool. And on his site, if you go to that site, um, ericdeschamps.com, you can see videos of him actually making the artwork. And he actually did the piece, um, Oloro, Ageless Ageless Aesthetic, from my commander set. So I was pretty excited to hear that he did that. And this is a picture of, I think he's a giant. Yeah, he's an ancient giant. And he discovered the secret to eternal life. And so he's sitting on this throne, and there's these little spouts of water dripping down his chair, and there's this huge sword next to him. And the artist just, like, the way he made this character look so immense is kind of amazing to me. Um, And the fact that, like, water plays into it because of the Fountain of Youth, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a fun, I mean, the Commander deck is a fun deck to play. And the artwork is just spectacular. And you can actually see the video of him making this piece from start to finish on the site. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Just wonderful work. And you can actually, like I said, you can buy the pieces on his site. And he will sign the prints for you, which makes them a little more special um, when you get them. And they're on heavyweight paper and everything. And he also does something that I just learned about, which is Magic the Gathering Artist Proofs. And what an artist proof card is, it's the actual card with the, the real text on it and the all the stats on it, just like a regular magic card. But when you flip it over, it's blank. So this provides kind of a little canvas where the artist can make a little picture on the back and personalize it for whoever is buying the proof. And so he has 55 different proofs to pick from on the site. And artist proof cards, he makes a note to say that they're rare. Only 50 are printed at a time for each one. And um, it just it's a really fun way if you really love magic and you love the art on the cards and you're Timmy like me, I would probably get a few of these and just frame them. And it would be really neat. So Awesome. Yeah. 
and oh you can go to i wanted to make a note that you can also go to facebook and expand some of these pieces he has a facebook page and um some big pieces are posted on there and you can zoom in and get a detailed look at each thing he's also on twitter and his uh, username is deschamp art it's at d-e-s-c-h-a-m-p-s-a-r-t so look at that to see um, his posts on when he'll be at the next magic event. He likes to go and sign prints, so you can go meet him. And there's pics of some of his new pieces on there, too. Awesome. Yeah, pretty great work. Have you gotten a chance to look at any of his pieces? I know you saw Oloro because he's my commander. Yeah, yeah, I really like his stuff. It's pretty good. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Well, I guess it's time to wrap up this episode. You can check out our website for the RSS feed, show notes, and helpful links, starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkersofnyx. And please feel free to email us with any questions or comments or requests for topics or just to say hi. Um, you can reach us at LexStarWalker at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter for updates and to find out when we're recording next at Nikki Starwalker. And I'm at LexStarWalker. Please help support the podcast and help keep us ad-free. Click on the Amazon product image on our site and just do your normal Amazon shopping. Yeah, guys, guys, uh, do it today. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You want a brand new car. <laughs> and you want a car. And you want a car. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to Planeswalkers of Nyx. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nyx or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko, Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!